0: Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy, and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today we have Navy veteran John Vallis with us, who's turned active duty Navy entrepreneur. So we're super excited to have you here, John. Thanks for carving some time out i know awesome. you're slammed but um thanks for yeah. coming with us today
1: thanks for having me jason i'm really excited to have a conversation with you and uh yeah, see what happens.
0: cool well um so we we're chatting a little bit um off the air um about some of the stuff that you're doing but i want to introduce to our audience like how you got to where you are right so you joined yeah. the navy tell us about that journey in the navy and what you did
1: right as 9-11 happened i was working on a horse farm in uh northern florida and uh you know all the radios and tv stations stopped um and uh You know, we watched, uh, we watched, we watched all that, and after that, you know, my family has a history of uh, um, Navy veterans, and uh, kind of, you know, felt a patriotic call to uh, to to join the Navy. So, um, within a few months, I had, uh, you know, gone and done all the recruiter stuff, and December uh, 2011, uh, went to boot camp in uh, Great Lakes, and uh, with with the Navy, which is uh, which is pretty cold. um, Joined uh, joined the Navy to uh, go on the submarines. So I was a, so I, uh, first started out as a radioman on uh man on the um, up in up in Groton, Connecticut, and then transferred out here to San Diego.
0: Okay.
1: While I was stationed on uh, the USS Jefferson City, uh, ended up going to Navy Dive School, became a diver, and um, after that, transferred to um, to EOD. So I went, oh, wow. went and, uh became a mobile field mobile field communications guy and uh, was doing training ops for uh, for the uh, techs there. And um, narrowly avoided uh, um, getting deployed out with the, with those guys. Uh, went into reserves, transferred out to Millington, Tennessee. Got reactivated at Navy Recruiting Command headquarters, um, and got selected for chief while I was there. So that was uh, nice. that was its own that's its own story and experience right there, is Yeah, uh, is um, becoming a, becoming a chief in the in the Navy. It's a it's a brother and sisterhood um, that is uh, that's. Uh, unlike any any other fraternity or community that I know of uh, it's pretty pretty awesome so from there um did my did a did a did active the reactivation time there and uh, eventually got out of the navy in 2010 so how long total were you uh total is is, is 10 years ten years yeah okay. right around 10 years
0: cool mm-hmm. so start out in subs um did you pick that or did they pick that for you
1: so you know you take your you take your test uh before you before you get into get into the military the ASVAB, uh yeah the asveb test um, and, uh, so I don't even remember what my score was, but at that point, then it's like, okay, well, here's what you can do. And, um, it was, uh, it was a couple of different options and, uh, submarines just seemed like it was, uh, the most pay. That's really what it came down to. I was okay. like, how can I get out of here? The soon, how soon can I get out and how much, you know, how, how, what's, what's the job that I can make the most money. And I'm sure my recruiter, recruiter was real happy about that and stuck me in subs. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was an interesting and eye opening experience. Uh, I. Can't say it was, it was amazing. It was awesome. Um, and,
0: uh, I wouldn't want to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. For some reason I can't imagine being in a sub, being underwater, driving around. Um, it's just, I don't know. So weird to me. Did you get get to go any cool spots while you were, um, on the sub? We did. We, uh, we deployed
1: out, uh, we did a Westpac uh, deployment and, um, uh, because I was a, because I was a diver, uh, was able to, um, go diving out at, uh, Guam. I know a lot of people in the military, um, or veterans know, know about Guam's good stop-up point on your westpacs. Yeah. Um, so there, the, uh, the scuba diving is actually amazing. The water's, water so clear. Um, <clears throat> not much else to do there. Right. As a lot of guys know. Um, uh, and then Singapore, um, we, we pulled in there. That was, that was pretty awesome. And, uh, let's see what else we, I think that's mostly we were tooling around and, uh, uh, over in over in the Western Hemisphere, so
0: that's pretty yeah. cool. Nice. Um, so, tell us about you know becoming a chief. Like, how did how did that come to be, and what was that experience like? Um, it's,
1: uh, that's a <laughs> that's a that like I said that's a story in and of itself. So um, I happened to just uh, I happened to just thread the needle. I was uh, I was a uh, you know one of those uh, go getters um, while at the same time not really fitting into the military sort of uh, mentality of uh just uh you know um fall in line um so with that i sort i stood out maybe not always for good reasons um but i kind of uh just always was hard charging and um like to like to keep moving which is why i was able to um also have so many different experiences typically you know in the military you you kind of follow a one career path yeah um and uh and the navy sort of sort of t- tries to keep you and i'm sure the air force the same way mm-hmm. tries to keep you in you know in that in that career path in that track, path, in that track yeah. because they invest a lot of money in you i mean i went to school for three years uh before i even hit before i even hit the boat so wow. um I, you know and then i only then i was very fortunate i only had to I only had to be on a uh, on a on the sub for two years so i got out of there nice and um uh with that i was just i've just always i was always had a I've always had that spirit um, uh, in that um, I also sort of gravitated towards uh, being a leader just by inspiring people through wanting to do more, wanting to learn more. And um, uh, so I, you know, I just was able to end up getting selected for chief. I, I just I had a early promotion opportunity and um, got picked up I want to say it was seven years in, which is pretty early, Yeah, pretty early for E-7. Um, And uh, that's that process in the Navy. um, I don't, does it, the Air Force doesn't really have a, do they, do you guys have a process like that? uh, Sort of. Yeah. 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 Like an initiation or mm -hmm. induction or I'm not exactly sure what the, what they're calling it these days. Um, But I can tell you in Millington, Tennessee, the Navy has its uh, Navy personnel command, um, all the human resources, Navy recruiting command. Um, a lot of senior commands um, sort of consolidated into Millington, Tennessee, and so there was uh, there was quite a few of the of the Chiefs community there. Uh, you know the all the all the all the all the executives are in at that command, right? So are at that at that base. So going through and going through induction season with the Chiefs there was uh, was was harrowing. It was harrowing. It's a it's a it's a process. Right. It's a process to. Break you down, uh, do team building with your uh, with the fellow chiefs that, you know, went through the, that are going through the process with you. And uh, also I had a really great opportunity during induction season where some of the chiefs were able to uh, fly up to Boston and we stayed for a week up at the up on uh, on the deck of the USS Constitution. So I got to sleep oh, on the deck cool. of the USS Constitution up in Boston and we and Boston is a military town. They are a patriotic town. So if anybody's from Boston, man, what a great town we would go out and we would march out on the streets and people would just come out, you know, we were singing cadence and people would come out and they would cheer and clap in the middle of the day. Uh, and, um, and then at night, you know, we, we get to, we get to sleep on the you know deck of uh, the U.S. Constitution, which is the oldest commissioned, uh ship in the Navy and yeah. I, I, maybe the world. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a, that was a, that was a pretty, yeah. pretty amazing experience. So I was able to do some, some things like that. I, I had some great experiences in the Navy, met some amazing people and, um, you know, from there, uh, actually, um, I was married at the time, so uh, my um, daughter's mom <clears throat> transferred to a ship out here. Uh, so when we came out here, um, right around that time, uh, I was sort of – I had transferred back to reserve. So I, 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 had, I did some bouncing a little bit between active and reserve. Okay. I transferred back to reserve, and as soon as I got out here to San Diego – I'm talking – Pull in at midnight with the, with the car in tow and all the stuff and six o'clock the next morning received orders to, uh, Djibouti, Africa. Oh, and, um, wow. my daughter's mom was, uh, uh, getting attached to a, a sea going command. They were, they were already doing workups for deployment. So I had to make a, I, mean, I had to make a really hard choice at that point to, yeah. uh, decide, are we going to leave our, you know, are we going to leave our kid, uh, without parents? Cause that's essentially what, what we were, and the military doesn't try to do that, but we just got caught in that position because we were both chiefs and. You know, the more the higher the higher up you get, the less control you have over your over yeah. your destiny and over your command and where you're going. So um I, I made the hard choice at that point to uh to transition to uh transition to um inactive reserves. And right around that time is when I uh didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of in a loop. I could tell you I wasn't really you know, it was a bittersweet move to a uh, bittersweet decision to to, to leave sure, the military yeah. at that point. And I really had no plan. So You know, at that point, I'm I'm kind of lost. I was going, I was surfing in the morning, meditating, trying to think about what you know, what what is what is my what what am I doing my life? Right. And um, we had a little bit of money saved, and um, that was the point where there was a there was a there was a change. There was kind of a shift. I had to make a really big shift uh, from a military mindset into what's the next what's the
0: next step. Yeah. Well, that's that's really like unfortunate. You know, when you guys moved here and all that stuff, but you got to take care of family, right? Take care of your little girl. so, what was so now? You're you're into you're an entrepreneur, right? You have your own business, and you you guys are into like flipping houses and doing all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So how did how did you did you go into that right at this point where you had kind of that mindset shift, or did that happen later? <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, while I was
1: trying to figure out what I was gonna do, I had, I had taken some personal development courses and written down, you know, mindset um exercises and uh, what I had really wanted in my life. Like what, what was I most passionate about that? That was really what had that, that was key. Um, so while I was floundering around, um, I actually ran across a piece of paper that I had written. It was simply a list. What, you know, what am I most passionate about? And I had taken some, you know, some, some personal development course. Uh, I don't, I don't even remember which one it was. Um, but I do really invest in myself, uh, with reading and with, um, uh, you know, following people like you and listening to other people and their stories. And then also, um, you know, going, going and uh, doing, doing personal development courses. So That's in great. one of those courses, yeah. In one of those courses I had written, the exercise was write down, what is it that you're passionate about? Like really simple, simple stuff. And it, it was, it was all kinds of random things. And I ran across this piece of paper that was stuffed in my filing cabinet while I was actually looking for a job. Um, Cause at that point, after getting out, there was a few months transition, um, you know, some point you got to start, start paying bills. Yeah. So, uh, ran across that piece of paper and on that piece of paper, uh, it, like I said, it was my, you know, my family, my, my car, um, but also coffee, um, uh, inspiring people. And that, that time, that moment, I just sort of looked at that and I let go of the money issue. Like I let go of paying bills and everything like that. And I was like, well, what can I do that would just be in alignment with, with what's on this piece of paper? Yeah. And, what ended up emerging from that is I found a little cafe that a failed, a uh, failed cafe right here. So we're on mission Boulevard here in San Diego, um, which is beautiful right now. And perfect. Um, about a, about a mile from where we're sitting right now, I found a little failed cafe on mission Boulevard uh, and uh, decided to go for it. Um, I knew I loved coffee, you know, when you're in the military, uh, a lot yeah, of coffee, a lot, a of, lot coffee. of coffee. So uh, I knew I loved coffee and I knew I wanted to be by the beach so I could go and surf and spend time with my friends. And, um, so I, I, I bought that little failed cafe it had a little outdoor patio. The building was 500 square feet you know it was barely enough for a kitchen. And um, so I, I actually opened up a coffee shop. Oh cool. yeah yeah that was the first that was the first step, the okay. first big jump you know and that was letting go of the, the su- you know how when you're in the military, you've got kind of a support system and everything like that. But when you go into business you know when you do something like that, I mean I remember I got the keys the night before I was supposed to take over the lease and everything. And the, the person that I bought the cafe from was supposed to, uh, provide two weeks of training and all this. And we had this whole agreement and, uh, I didn't, I never saw him again. So oh, wow. I, I go to show, I go to, I go to open up the cafe at six o'clock in the morning. And one of the guys, um, had state who stayed on as an employee, um, showed up and, uh, thank, thankfully he did. Um, uh, cause I, I, didn't know the first thing I didn't, the first time I pulled an espresso shot was after I opened, opened the door the first day. <laughs> I, I, had, I didn't even, I didn't know any, all I knew is I love coffee. That's it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. From there, that was, that was its own journey. Um, So uh, ended up uh, ended up working out. There's you know that's a long again. I I told you I can I can I can go I can go (laughs) on and on. But um, from there, uh, I met people right away right here just coming and going in the cafe and having conversations and being interested in inquiring in people's lives. Um, and having conversations just like this. You know what what is it? What is it that you know? What are you about? Um, what drives you? And um, I met a met a couple of a couple of really successful people. I noticed that they were all in real estate. And, um, so I, I, started to get interested in what they were doing. And, um, about two and a half, three years in to that cafe, I, I took on an investing part, an investment partner, um, opened up a second cafe. And then we, we ultimately built a coffee roasting facility, a multi million dollar coffee roasting facility, uh, to start doing, start roasting our own beans. I was traveling to, I ended up traveling to, um, Central America and we were, purchasing coffee directly from farms in Africa and everything. And, um, I sold that bit, but I ended up, uh, ended up, it ended up going really well, um, from that first little, from that first little cafe, we were doing pretty well. So in 2016, I sold that, sold that, um, business and, um, traveled, uh, with my daughter around the world for, for a while. And right around mid 2018, I, uh, Started running out of money. I'd invested in a couple companies. I I I wanted to. I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. It was kind of the same thing. So I was traveling around doing doing some uh, retreats and um, uh, crazy experiences out in the jungle of Costa Rica. Oh wow, uh, stuff like that. And um, had an opportunity to uh, mentor under a under a real estate developer. So I knew I I'd, I'd already I'd already done some development. We did commercial. I did some residential flips during that time um fortunately my business had uh, become pretty successful um so when i sold all that i kind of took a break for a while and um and then while i was investing in a couple of companies that um didn't work um the last little bit of money that i that i had i uh, put it into investing in my education for myself so i went and got my real estate um real estate agent's license okay and i had already been working on transactions and that that seemed pretty natural and i was also uh, working on my hours and making sure that I could get uh, lined up and, and eventually take my test to uh, become a licensed uh, general contractor. Um, And that all came from going into flips and having partners and things like that and it not working out. So, you know, if I had to go back and do this again, um, I don't know if I would not have the experiences that I had with some of the, some of the parts, some of the business relationships that failed Mm -hmm. or some of the investments that failed. Um, I would just invest in my education sooner. And then, you know, we were talking about, uh you know, some of the junior uh, sailors and uh, junior military people that um, find ways to invest in real estate investment or real estate, real estate, invest in real estate, invest in properties early. I would have done that a lot sooner. I would have, I would have been putting all of my energy and effort into making, into, into going that route.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of like where my passion is, is really trying to help like educate that community on the benefit that sits in front of them right and i mean we're so we're they're so focused intentionally right at being good soldiers and sailors and airmen right that you don't oftentimes think about like your future and your retirement you're just go 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 you're in that focused channel right which is exactly how the military wants it but if you know we can peel away a little bit of that energy and and show people like here's a path that you can do right running alongside your military career mm-hmm. And eventually, the military career is going to stop at some point, right? Whether it's 20 years or five years or whatever it is. And there's going to be another path. And, you know, there's that opportunity to build as you're going, right? Now, I, I think I was sharing with you earlier um experience of like this this E1 uh, in Virginia, bought his first house as an E1. And I mean, as you know, in the military, as an E1, you can't even live off base, right? So, so he wasn't buying a house for himself. He couldn't buy a primary residence. He hadn't been in the Navy long enough to have his VA eligibility. So he wasn't using a VA loan, but he found really inexpensive, like $50,000 home. And he got his dad and his uncle to invest with him for the down payment. And he got the loan and bought his first investment property. He has 18, 19 years old. And like, but he gets it. So now, you know, as he goes on and maybe he does a 20 year career in the Navy or whatever, I mean, PCS is using that VA loan and picking up property. and And it's just teaching people that opportunity that lies ahead of them. Right. I mean, as you mentioned, just seeing like people in real estate and stuff. And that's where a lot of American wealth is generated is through real estate. Yeah. So here's like the perfect path. You know, you're forced to move every so many years. So you're forced to have a new place to live, whether you rent it, live on base, or buy it. Like you got to live somewhere, right? So here's an opportunity as long as you're you're good with your finances along the way, and you can get out and be in awesome shape, yep. you know, and be set up. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's really cool and being able to take um, you know, kind of that leap of faith too in like what you did. Is, you know, investing in like flips and doing those different things. Mm-hmm. Risky, right? Yeah. Um, but great learning experiences and getting into that. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about like, how did you get into like these flips? And, you know, what were some of the, the things that you learned, like lessons learned mm-hmm. on the ones that didn't work out and stuff <laughs> like that?
1: Uh, whether they work out or not, every, every project is a learning opportunity. You know, I just, I, I mean, see sees the HGTV like, Oh, it's perfect. and They're
0: making a bunch of money. Right. <laughs>
1: um, I tell you, I have, uh, I've done, I've done quite a number of flips. Um, it's not really, uh, it's, it is risky and the, and the flip game doesn't work in every market. You know, we're here in San Diego, we're here in California, you know, you, you can, you can walk into equity and, you know, he, right now in, in, uh, what is it? April, 2021, you know, San Diego market is, is rising at a rate of like 6% per month or something wild. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I mean, the, the, the equity, uh, inc- the, the values of, of housing here, it's one, it's unsustainable. Um, and it's also really just, uh, it's, it's out of, it's, it's out of control, uh, you know, quite frankly, Agreed. um, and, uh, including the rental market here. So, you know, for the, for the sailors and soldiers that are, um, that are, they're moving, that are transferring here to San Diego. This is, you know, this market in particular is a, it's got a high ceiling or, you know, a high, high point of entry. However, um, that said, uh, there are so many ways, particularly when you're in the military, um, to leverage your, uh, leverage the, um, your, 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 your profile as a borrower that you have a steady income, um, and pulling, pulling people together to put together an investment project, um, that may, you know, for people that aren't here in San Diego to share, to show them, you know, putting it down on paper and putting together a plan. Um, there's always a way. There's always a way. You know, yeah. you shared about the E1 using friends and family. And uh, and then there's other there's also private investors and, and there's people in the military. I've seen pull together funds um, and purchase a property now on the f- on for for active duty military and for people who are veterans. You know, when I'm when I'm talking to them about how to like what their investment, like the best investment strategy for them would be in, into going into real estate. It's not necessarily flips. Flips would be something I kind of call icing on the cake. Um, That's now I, I work with. Uh, I do work mainly with investors and, and we do flips and we also do buy and hold, uh, buy and hold projects. And, um, for, for people in the military, what I re- recommend, and you know, you mention it every few years you're moving. Um, it's, uh, it's this process. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how people say a B triple R or whatever, but, um, where you purchase a property, you know, you live in it, uh, you renovate it. Um, uh, then you renovate it or, I mean, you renovate it and then you ref you refinance the property. So, so here in San Diego and again this does this this may not apply to all markets but you can purchase a property here that is you you purchase a rundown property, you purchase a property that may not be the ideal property, you know, to, sure. to just walk in turnkey, something that you would see on this, you know, these shows. Yeah. Um that's all done up. But you purchase a property and and this is so this is if if somebody were to come to me today who's active duty or a veteran and they wanted to know what what would be the best uh best uh approach um, this is what i do you know I, we go and we find properties uh, whether it's off market or properties that are you know just coming onto the market that that are out of date and um you get that you get that property you purchase that property you find a diamond in the rough you know it might have rough edges um but with that it gives you a starting point that you have a um, what's called a, a projected after repair value so you purchase some property, whatever it's you know, whatever the purchase price is. Uh, I could tell you the values of properties here is all over the place. Yeah, you know, it's really you can't comp out a property these days. Right now, um, I have a feeling that's going to change here shortly. I think so too. Yeah, as we see yeah. interest rates rise. Well, that and you know, we've got the uh, we've got the moratorium on uh, mortgage foreclosures coming in June. Yep, and um, we're already speculating that there's going to be a there's going to be a wave of uh, wave of incoming uh, inventory. So that that may. That may push. Uh, they may push the real estate prices down. How, okay, so back to the model, okay. uh, the the approach, the approach that I recommend for um, people in the, who are veterans, who are active duty, and clients that I work with is to purchase a, purchase a, a property that's out of date, plan to remodel it. So have a little bit of money, or have a have a plan to either find some money to invest in the property to get to a projected after repair value that you can then refinance the property at the renovated value finished value right you can get money back from that so you can you have options there but you do that you get money back you get your money back that you've invested in the property the the renovation money that you've invested in the property yeah then you move you you hold on to that property you rent it you move to your next property whether you're using your va or not um you know we could talk about that at a later time how to do that how to jump properties um or chain properties um, and then you, when you refinance that property at the after repair value, particularly with the interest rates how they are now, you have a you have a you have an increase in equity, your increase in net worth, you have money aside, and you're ready for your next one.
0: Right, and you've increased your rental
1: value of the home too.
0: Absolutely. Now you went from and a rough a rough house to a nice home.
1: And now you have a, now you have a now you have a second stream of income, so you're not just you're not just relying on your military pay. Right, which then allows you to really start to uh, increase your increase your wealth
0: yeah based I, I on the mention- number of properties that you have yeah totally yeah yeah and um, I talk to guys about that all the time I mean one of my favorites is well I, I would say before I mention that is you know there's always you know you come to a market like San Diego or Hawaii you know with these high home prices right and you know a lot of our a lot of our you know active duty guys are from you know small towns you know, all across America. So, you know, in their eyes, like $500,000 home is like a mansion on an estate yep. where they're from. Right. Yeah. My family feels the same way. And, but you come out here and $500,000 gets you like a little postage stamp on, you know, a zero lot line somewhere. And yep. it's ugly, yep. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so it's, it's a totally different, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mental shift to be able to kind of come from that as your base to here and go, whoa, oh my gosh. Um, but the 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 huge benefit, and I I kind of liken it to like the stock market, right? Like if you were to take ten bucks and just put in the S and P five hundred, well, you're gonna make whatever the return is twenty percent on ten bucks. Well, what if that was a hundred thousand bucks in the same investment? Well, the dollars, the percentage is the same. The percentage of growth dollars are so much bigger, right? Because it's on that bigger base, that bigger multiple. Mm. So kind of the same thing with real estate, even though it's like jaw dropping to some people what the prices are here. If you can make it work, because obviously BH is going to be higher, all the rest of it, right? Mm -hmm. If you can make it work, the the more that you can get here long term, the the more dollars that you'll you'll make from it, right? So we talk we talk a lot about like like multifamily homes quite often, right? Because that's a that's a cool instrument. Cool real estate investment, right? They can live in it while they're here. They live in one unit, maybe buy a four unit place. And you can use the rents from the other units to help you qualify. So yep. now maybe you only made qualified for a six hundred thousand dollars place, but because of the rents, you're at one point two million. Mm-hmm. And fast forward twenty years, your one point two million dollar acquisition is going to be worth a heck of a lot more twenty years yep. from now, right? Yeah. Plus, and, you've plus you've got cash flow, plus cash flow, right? Yep. And eventually, you move out, and your unit gets rented. So mm-hmm. you know that thing is really, really smoking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, you mentioned the you mentioned the stock market. Uh, you know, and obviously, if you've got money to spare, you know, if people have money to, to, to play with, if, if they're, you know, if if they have money to lose, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't tell people what to do with their money, but, um, you know what I like about real estate? It's, it's, it's tangible, you know? I mean, the stock market is, is, uh, it's, it's, it's betting on the future value of something and, uh, it's betting, you know, it's betting and there, there's plenty of money to be made. It's just, and it's not my thing. Wall Street Um, casino, right? Yeah. I, I like, I like real estate. I like to put, I like to put my hands on it, you know? Um, it's always there. It's always there, and uh, not every market, like I said, but most markets, and particularly in the market that we're in, you know, you you can you can almost guarantee that there's a value. There, there's all one. There's always value there. Real estate always has value. It may it may fluctuate. You know, we've seen we've seen the values of fluctu- of real estate uh, ebb yeah, and it fluctuates flow. fluctuates over time. but yeah. it always it always eventually increases. Yep. always eventually increases. And like you said, um, whether it's a multifamily, you're renting it out, um, you know, you're moving from station to station, you hold onto that property and you rent that thing out. You may break even, you may only make a hundred or 200 bucks in the beginning, but as you increase your equity in that property and you're able to refi one, so as you increase your equity in that property, it becomes your own, uh, borrowing tool. Yep. Uh, and, um, and you've got cash flow, and you're making money in your job and you're able to build a build a profile right like you know this like a borrower's profile mm-hmm. when a borrow uh, let me ask you this Jason when a borrow comes to you and they own three properties and they want to they want to get another property but their de- debt to income ratio might be high or something like that but they've got these three properties how how much more likely because they have experience in real estate because they own property how much more likely are they able are they able, are they going to be um able to get another loan to borrow
0: more money probably pretty likely pretty because, likely yeah because yeah they've yep. been able to perform on Three mortgages, you know, at one mm-hmm. time, you know, so provided we can, and, and they have the history, yeah. right? So a lot of it is having that history, having managed investment property, which parlays into how we can utilize the money and the loss, the income and the losses and the debts and all that stuff from those properties to help you qualify for the next one, right? So that experience managing those is a big plus,
1: yeah. super big plus.
0: Yeah. Um, what are you seeing? Like, I mean, our market right now, and this is nationwide, I mean, I'm, I'm, I do loans in 20 states and every market is just as on fire as San Diego, right? There's a, a gazillion offers on every house. They're going over asking price. Like it is, it's a frenzy, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing with the the acquisitions that you're making? Um, and maybe some of those more kind of rough edge homes and stuff. What, what is your, do you guys are implying like any kind of strategy to help, you know, acquire the property and, Kind of nudge out the competition.
1: Um, it depends, you know. I, I here's what I will say that uh, I've, I've been representing some VA clients on uh, making offers on uh, retail residential properties, and um, and it's it's uh, it's really really unfortunate the the conditions that are in the market right now. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go so far as to say that uh, veterans and active duty are being discriminated against because of the VA. Uh, um, Requirements for a loan to close on a property, mm-hmm. um, but I know here in this in this market, what we've seen is that because it's such a frenzy, because the competition is so high for um, and the number of offers that are getting put in on any listing, regardless of the situation, and then the um, the uh, the lack of you know lack of contingencies, you know, going in with these no contingencies as is offers you know, and, and on a on VA, you know, with a VA loan, um, you know, there's requirements that you can sit there and, you know, you can put in, you can put in the uh, purchase officer, purchase offer, or, or the listing um, agent can have some requirements that, you know, um, try to, uh, you know, try to negate the VA loan requirements, but it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it just, it, it doesn't work like that with right. a VA loan. Um, so because, because sellers have, their pick of they got the leverage uh, right now buyers um they're good they're they're gravitate what i'm seeing is that they're gravitating towards the loans that they know are going to close and obviously we see here in san diego's tons of cash offers and and, you know some of them are just ridiculous you know we're seeing houses uh, the last house we closed on was uh, a house that somebody had passed away in and um it still went for seventy five thousand over asking and we (laughs) and we, we were able to close um because as a, you know, as the, as a client, as a client, as a, as a buyer's agent, you know um, it's important. There, there's some, there's ways to um, establish a rapport, um, establish a connection with the, with the listing agent and with the, with the seller of the home and um, work towards making them feel good that the loan's going to close. You know, I've, I've seen sellers not go with the highest offer necessarily. Um, They just want to, you know, they want to get the, get the thing closed. So from a VA perspective, we see that we see a lot of competition
0: there stuff. Yeah, Yeah, no, we see a lot of it too. And um, sometimes it's tough for the client, right? They can get discouraged or whatever. But I would say that the benefit, especially in our market is it's San Diego, right? I mean, we're just surrounded by military. So, you know, the, even though there's cash offers and there's people putting huge down payments, things like that you're competing against, there's still such a huge, Veteran and active duty military population here that coming in with an offer on a VA loan is not a surprise to anybody, right? Listing agent, it's not like in some some areas where I do business, like there's very little military presence and you show up with a VA offer and they're like, huh, how do you spell VA? But I mean, here it's very common, right? So it's, yeah, maybe you're not going to win all the ones that you want, but you're not you're not the minority as far as like your loan type and what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah. The other thing I would, the other thing I would, I would recommend with, uh with a VA buyer, um you know, one of the things that we've also been, we, we've also implemented as a strategy is just make sure that uh the buyers are aware, you know, to have money, the VA buyers aware, have money set aside. The appraisal is not going to come in where your uh the VA appraisal is not going to come in where, where the uh, purchase offer, the property is going to be. And you, we've got a guarantee. So, you know, as the, as the um buyer's agent, you need to go in and, and, our strategy is just to go in and make sure that the listing agent, that the seller knows that um, the buyer with a VA loan has the money set aside to uh, make up the difference between the, between the purchase price and the, and the, and the VA appraisal. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the big thing. So that's how we've, that's how we've been able to um, been able to work with uh, VA buyers and still get them,
0: get them the the homes. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's, there's a couple of different creative things that, that, you know, I've seen happen too, which, um, and we could probably talk for hours about <laughs> no, all these different all these different ways um but there's i mean bottom line is you know they got to get with somebody who has some experience and has some strategies you know at their fingertips to help them mm-hmm. um you know one thing i have noticed without dwelling on the subject for so long but um is you know a lot of the sellers you know they're pretty tough at the beginning right at the offer stage yeah you better be able to cover appraisal deficiencies and all these things right but you get 2 weeks into an escrow an appraisal comes in 25 grand low or, or something, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the number is, you'd be surprised, or I've been surprised, I should say, as to how many of the sellers are willing to soften their tone a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, because now they're at a point, they're halfway through the escrow. They want to sell the house, right? I mean, that's the whole goal, right? They want to sell the house. They don't want to be on the market all the time, right? They don't want to go back on the market, start over, you know, do all that stuff. So, and oftentimes they've already found the replacement home. So now, you know, there's a timing thing that's important for them too. So I found that in a lot of the situations where experience a lower appraisal, that they've usually been able to come to an agreement of some type. It doesn't mean always that the, the buyer had no extra cash out of pocket, but it might not have been the full monty, right? Um, because yeah. the, they're not quite as hardcore usually in the middle of the transaction as they are at the very front end. Yeah, I mean, once you get
1: you know, once you get in escrow, the the buyer the buyer has has leverage um you know obviously the seller doesn't seller doesn't want to cancel escrow nobody really you know really it's a, really the seller at that point doesn't want to cancel the escrow once you you know once you get into escrow you know it it never hurts to ask uh even with even with the va buyers and things like that when you're coming in and you make a purchase you make a make an offer to purchase a home um and then you go through your inspections and uh and everything like that um i tell you it never hurts to ask uh and a seller won't even if you're in the negotiation process and it does get tense um it's always it's always uh it's always you know it's always good to ask. It, it, yeah. If you don't ask for credits or you don't ask for something um particularly in escrow the answer is always no, right? Totally. Yeah, <laughs> you got to ask.
0: You got to ask. So, yeah. Ask. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, um how can how can people get in touch with you like they want to talk to you about real estate or investing or mm-hmm. or just Hopping into that entrepreneurial space, you know, and pick your brain. What's sure, the best sure. way to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I don't really, I don't really do much social media on the business side. Um, but our company, I think we might have. I'm, I'm on Facebook, so it's just John Vallis, uh, Vallas, V A L L A S, and then I'm, obviously we're part of part of some of the military groups on Facebook that provide a lot of information to veterans and active duty military in terms of investing and yeah. in real estate. Um, and Facebook's probably the best way right now. Um, and then uh, my company name, so as a real estate agent, I'm licensed. uh, My license is with Harcourt's pinnacle here in San Diego. Okay. Um, I'm more than happy to answer any of your, you know, your, your uh, communities questions um, regarding real estate, whether it's in San Diego or not. Um, You know, we also have uh, things going on in North Carolina. Um, And then uh, uh, we're, I'm a licensed general contractor. So we have multiple projects. And then specifically we've, kind of gotten into specialization of, uh, working on, uh, constructing these ADUs, converting garages, converting yeah, um, That's a hot topic we could spend an hour a whole on. Whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, I have multiple projects going on right now. Um, so, but my, our construction company's name is Ballast Construction and Development Inc. Okay. And, um, yeah, we're here in San Diego. Uh, I love working with veterans. Um, so if anybody sees me on Facebook, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. So if anybody sees me in one of the groups or, Um, wants to just reach out to me, just, you know, uh, DM me there and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get something figured out and hopefully I can provide some value and information and help, uh, help your listeners and and your community be successful
0: in investing. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. And that the house hacking ADU, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother strategy, right? Which is super fun and cool. And we'll have to get together again and and maybe dig it deeper into some of that stuff. Uh, but John, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Always, always great to meet another veteran in San Diego. And, um, Love that you're serving the community and really appreciate you coming on the show today. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.